In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning and uh, welcome, uh, Church of Reconciliation, to the first Sunday of 2021. I have to say that there were, <laughs> there were a few moments last, last year, year where, where I, I didn't did. know that we would actually make it to the first Sunday of 2021, so I am thankful to be here this morning and to celebrate uh, this new calendar year with you. Uh, it is beautiful to see your faces and to imagine in your faces those of you who are at home. Uh, during Advent this year, uh, we had a couple of opportunities to watch a short film called Adventus. And uh, we watched it early on in Advent. I had watched it prior to showing it to the parish. And then last week during spiritual formation on Sunday morning, we watched the video again. And the film was about 30 minutes long, and it's a gathering of 12 to 15 theologians. And they're all kind of waxing philosophical about uh, what Advent means for them and for us as the church. And with each viewing, I found myself taking a new kind of nugget, a piece of information that I wanted to just hold in my heart and reflect on. But after watching it three times, and in all honesty, I could probably watch it 15 more times, the piece that really stuck out to me was from Richard Rohr. And Richard said uh, that as Christians, at some point, we realize that we need to live in holy expectation all of the time. That to live in Advent, and I'm paraphrasing here, but to live in Advent for only four weeks out of the year is not enough. The calling on the Christian life is to live in that holy expectation at all times. And to that I answer with a resounding amen. And I think this is also true for all of the seasons in the liturgical calendar. The truth is, is that we have to cut up the liturgical calendar because corporately it's difficult for us to hold all of the gospel story in front of us at all times and to live into it corporately all at once. It's difficult, but the truth is, is that we need to be able to live into the holy expectation of Advent at all times. We need to live into the realization and the revelation of Epiphany at all times. We need to live into the preparation of Lent at all times. We need to live into the suffering of Christ during Holy Week at all times. And we need to live into the resurrection of Easter at all times. And that's not even to mention Pentecost and ordinary time and all of the lessons that abound during this. We need to hold it all in front of us at all times, but it's difficult to do corporately. And so the liturgical calendar helps us to navigate to cut up these pieces of the gospel story into easily digestible things that we can hold in front of us as a community. And maybe I'm biased right at this moment because we are entering into the season of Epiphany and we are observing Epiphany today. But today I feel particularly led to hold Advent in front of me and to think about what it means for us and for me and for us as a church to live into the reality of Epiphany. The Epiphany story, which we only get in the, the Gospel of Matthew, it's unique to that book, is a story of a group of wise individuals who come from the East in search of the King of the Jews. They're following a star that appears in the sky, and they must be people of at least some means, because not only do they make the great journey from the East to Bethlehem, 
not only do they come bringing expensive gifts, right? Uh, it seems like they don't have any jobs to return to, or maybe they've just got lots of, uh, I don't know, FMLA or something lined up where they can actually take off this amount of time. But they seem to be people of means, and so they are in search of this king, and they, when they finally discover him, they come in and they bow down, and they offer gifts, and they are filled with wonder by the moment. This story in the church's liturgical calendar helps us to understand the epiphany or the realization that this Messiah that God has sent into the world is not only for the chosen people of Israel, but this Messiah is for everyone. I need to say that again. This Messiah is not just for a select few. It's not just for an elect. This Messiah that God has sent into the world is for everyone. So that's the epiphany story. But then I also think about the word epiphany, which is kind of the unveiling, the revelation, the realization of some new information about life or about people or about something that we interact with that changes the way that we see someone else or the world around us. And when our sight, our vision of that is changed, suddenly our actions in the world are changed as well. We need this. We need a constant flow of epiphanies in our life all of the time. We need to constantly be learning and being changed and being formed by the information and revelations that God pours into our life. And so this week, as I prepared for the sermon, I started to think about the big revelations in my own life, the epiphany. these life-changing moments where God has given you some revelation, some new information that's changed the way that you have lived. As I thought about this, the truth is, is that there are more than I can list this morning. But I have kind of neatly categorized them into three questions that I think every person of faith has to, in some sense, ask, wrestle with, and hopefully, to some degree, answer in their own life. The first question I think every person of faith has to ask is, is there a God? Now, maybe this seems too foundational. Maybe this information was given to you at a young age and you've never questioned it, although I think it's almost impossible that there's never been at least a moment where you've just thought, is there someone out there? This since the beginning of time. And so we have to come to some sort of answer. And my suspicion is that if you are here this morning, you got out of the comfort of your own bed, you moved away from your own coffee maker, you got out of your pajamas, you came here, or maybe you're still in the comfort of your home, drinking your coffee in your pajamas, yet you are watching the service, you're taking that time. There is some sense to me that you have at least answered yes, I believe there, there is a God, or you have leaned into the hope that we are not alone in the universe. And so you have this hope that there is something more, there is this divine essence that has called each of us into being and filled our lives with meaning and purpose. The second question that we should, I think, move to next is, if we have answered yes, there is a God, what is this God like? This is the guiding question, because to answer what God is like is to determine who you and I will become. If this is the God who's created the universe, and this is what God is like, and this is who God loves, this seems like a, a, uh, 
uh, a question, uh, a level of exploration that we should follow after, but I think sometimes we skip too quickly to the third question, which is, who am I going to be? What kind of person am I going to be in the world? And we look in the mirror and we go, well, I'm on the right side of history. And we go, well, I'm pretty good. I'm true and honest enough. I guess God might be like me. Sometimes when we skip that second question to the third question, we begin to fall into the trap what Marcus Borg warned us about, that we risk the chance of designing or creating God in our own image rather than the other way around. So I think we need to ask ourselves more in 2021, what is this God that we believe in? What is this God like? And what does this God want from us? And what does this God want for the world that we inhabit? And the Epiphany story is an amazing place to start because we get two different encounters with the Messiah, God sent into the world. We get Herod, who is the king of this local area. And Herod sees or knows that the Messiah has been born, and he responds in fear. He is worried that he is about to lose his place in society, that his power and his wealth and his privilege are about to go away because the Messiah has been born into the world. And so he desires to snuff out the coming of the Messiah because he does not want his life to change. But the coming of the Messiah is a disruptive event. It changes our levels of comfort. And we forget that, I think, to some degree, because when we celebrate Christmas and Epiphany and Easter, these kind of landmark uh, moments in history, we, to some degree, we ignore the discomfort of these actual events, the disruptiveness of them, and we decorate our homes in beautiful decorations, and we fix big meals, and we gather together with people that we love, and we forget that in these stories, originally, these were difficult and disruptive times. Epiphany moments that changed the course of history. And so Herod looks at this and says, I don't want this. I want to keep the power I have. I want to keep the position that I have. I don't want my world to change, even if it means the world would be better for someone else. And something tells me that maybe Herod knew the way that he had treated other people was not in line with this coming king, this Messiah that God had sent into the world, not just for a few, but for everyone. The other encounter that we see is with the wise men. Now, popular culture tells us there are three wise men because there are three gifts, and we read into the Isaiah passage, into the gospel passage that we've read this morning, and we change them from wise men to kings. But what we do know is that these are people of wealth, of some amount of influence or power. They're able to make this journey. And they are in their home country. They are comfortable. They have everything that they need. And they see a glimmer of a star off in the distance, and they are filled with the wonder of possibility of what this might mean, not only for them, but for the whole world. And so they set out on a journey. And when they arrive in this place, they come in the door, and the first thing that they do is that they kneel down, and then they offer gifts 
to the king. This is the other response. The response when we are not afraid of losing our own position or power or wealth, but when we are called up in wonder and the ability to join the Messiah in the great cleanup of the world, this Messiah that is for everyone. At the beginning of 2021, I believe that this is our epiphany moment. This is our moment to choose what our response will be because the Messiah continues to come. God continues to arrive in the world each and every day through the church. And the choice for us is to respond in fear, to preserve what we already have, to not allow our lives to be disrupted by love, or to be filled with wonder, to enter in and to kneel down and to say, yes, I will join you in this work that you and I are called to do by the coming of God into the world. May we answer yes to our epiphany moment. Amen.